For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! We've got a Thursday edition of Birds 365 on the front burner for you today. You're Mac and Mac guys. John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you. Uh, second week, oh, still first week of May, I guess it is. We just turned the corner. And usually a bit of a slow time around the NFL, not necessarily for the Philadelphia Eagles. They made a bunch of their veteran players available, and John McMullen got to go down and be part of the crew that questioned them. And announcements coming out that the Eagles are shaking up their front office even more. Johnny Mac, we've been talking about this for a month plus, that the Eagles have been um, victim of other teams coming in and saying, we could take a couple of your executives off your hands. And the exodus here from Philadelphia has been pretty substantial. Well, we might now find out that uh, even more so uh, during this offseason, a couple more people let go in the Eagles' front office. Is Howie Roseman just walking around the office by himself these <laughs> days, Johnny Mack? He goes, oh, that cubicle's empty. Uh-oh, that cubicle's empty. We know how he had a good draft weekend, but we think he did so with some helping hands. But those helping hands are getting out the door pretty damn quickly. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, the more important ones are obviously we already know and they're, you know, entrenched, uh, Brandon Brown up the turnpike with the New York Giants as the assistant GM, Ian Cunningham as the assistant GM in Chicago. Um, and and now Catherine Rach is going to rejoin uh, Andrew Berry as his assistant in Cleveland. Um, those are the big ones. And even bigger than that is Andy Weidel his potential future if he gets the Pittsburgh GM job. Um, and that's still to be determined. But they did, uh, you know, reports are they moved on 
from four staffers, I think it was, and one of them was Casey Waddle. So that's the one that interests me for two reasons, Jody, because I haven't been able to confirm this, but the Philadelphia Inquirer reported he was fired. And that's key. That's a key term right. um, because contracts expire this time of year. I explain it all the time. Scouting, scouting is is with personnel people. It's, it's draft to draft, not season to season. So generally, a lot of contracts expire first, second week of May. Draft was a little bit late this year. Um, and guys just say, hey, I want to. Sometimes they say, I want to, I want to go somewhere else. I got somebody else got a job. I want to go there and my contract expired. And that's sort of, there. there's always a bit of churn at the bottom. And in the Eagles category, they're going to be bringing in some new people. So maybe, you know, Howie Roseman said, you know, they want their own scouts. They want the guys they're comfortable with, whomever he's going to bring in. We'll see. And the Eagles tend to announce these things officially all at once. They'll they'll put out their personnel department probably later this month sometime. Um, but Casey, because of Andy, is interesting. And if they fired him, it's even more interesting um, because that's not an expiring contract. That indicates at least some animosity on – somebody's side um and you know you're talking about family um with and and i think andy's done a very good job since joe douglas has left so he's tricky when you have nepotism although this league is 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 ripe with it um and but it's always strange when you see a move like that and it could indicate a whole host of things most notably that and he's not going to be here and that he is going to get the Pittsburgh job, but that's just, but that's just speculation. Some of the other guys, I mean, Sean uh, Heinlein was one of the scouts uh, who was let go. He was the Southwest Southwest area scout. I can't help, but think that he's paying the price for Jalen Rager. I mean, that's the first thing I thought of his contracts yeah. expiring. Jalen Rager, Southwest Area Scout. That's how this league is. And uh, the other ones are, you know, Evan Pritt specifically. I mean, he was low man on the totem pole. So maybe that's just an evaluation. Um, wasn't going the direction the Eagles wanted it. Uh, I don't know. It's really tough to to dig out this type of information because it's not very, it's not like players. It's not very public. It's not very forward but the one that the one that I, I would raise a little red flag on is Casey Waddle not that he was a huge part of the department again it's not like this was Ian Cunningham or Brandon Brown or Catherine Rage but just because of who he is and who his brother is that's a little bit strange it was and as you kind of noted the timing of it is important to try and read between the lines here. We don't know whether Andy Weidel is going to get the Pittsburgh job or not. Um, Kevin Colbert stayed on, said he would stay on through the draft, announced his retirement. They've been interviewing individuals to take over Pittsburgh's new general manager for months now. And 
Andy got uh, his interview and some good Pittsburgh reporters and writers said that they believed that he was the forerunner for the job, that he was the favorite. He hadn't gotten it yet. And it wasn't going to be announced till after the draft. We know that. But we're now a couple of days after the draft and Pittsburgh hasn't made an announcement. And we don't know the workings behind the scenes of the Steelers. Maybe they had a timeline in place that they wanted to do things at specific times. I would think you'd want to make this decision as soon as possible. You were probably in a pretty good position to make it even before the draft. Didn't want to finalize it because you want your attention to be paid more to the draft than anything else, replacing your general manager who's walking away. But we're now a good couple days by it, and we haven't had an announcement. Does it mean that Andy's already informed them that the job is his and he's going to be walking away? So they said, well, truthfully, the only reason why Casey's here is because you're Andy. You're here, Andy. Um, he's done an okay job, but not a great job. If you're going in another direction, we're going to be going in another direction. Maybe that that makes the most sense to me, John. But I don't know that to be the fact. No, I and and that's why I said, you know, if the contract was expiring, I wouldn't even blink an eye. Um, but the fact that the the term fired was used. And if you just do the math, scouting contracts are usually two years. So we arrived in 2016. So 2016 and 2017 was his first contract. 2018 and 2019 was the second. 2020 and 2021 was his third. So he would have been in the middle, 2022 and 2023. So um, it's probably correct. They fired him. So why did they fire him? Um, that, that, you know, and we'll get more clarification by where he lands. If it's in Pittsburgh with Andy Weidel, they're probably doing him a favor. <laughs> um, but, um, we have to wait and see on that. And the other, uh, scouts, Southwest scout, your point about Jalen Rigg, I hadn't even taken it that far. I think you're dead on there. And you would think that a scout would be held accountable for more than just one player. You would think. When, when one player <laughs> is as big with as big a question mark attached to it as, as there has been with Jalen Rager, yeah, that could be enough to uh, cost you your job. Uh, but here's my overall question, and, and you've got a better grasp on this than I do because you're down there and you get a little bit of more of a feel. Um, this is a pretty good turnover. The uh, size of the jobs that these guys had are are pretty large. This isn't just a couple of uh, guys at the bottom of the totem pole that you're swapping out. You used the word churn earlier, which I think is right on point and accurate. These guys change teams. It's not like uh, you get an internship as a scout, then you know you're going to be there for the next 35 years. It doesn't work that way in the National Football League. You need to move around. There are changes above you. Although the Eagles have been damn stable with Howie Roseman in place for a period of time. Other teams are less stable than the Eagles, but it's just the way the industry works in the National Football League. Guys move around from team to team. So to think you're going to keep your staff in place for decades at a time doesn't go that way. Just uh, quantity-wise, yeah. this is a pretty big off-season of churn for the Eagles, is it not, Johnny Mac? Yeah, and it, it's because I think, you know, it's directly related to the turnover at the top because, as I said, when you're bringing in – like, if you look at the, the, the sort of depth chart, if you want to call it that, of, sure. of the prior front office, um, you know, 
Andy, Andy Weidel is the quarterback, you know, he's, he's number one. Uh, and then his main assistants and they split the job into two uh, were Brandon and Ian. Um, and they both left. Um, now above all of them was Catherine Rach because her and Howie ran the whole department. So they're not only involved with uh, scouting, but all of football operations. So think contracts, everything from salary cap, think analytics. We talked about Alec Hallaby a little bit yesterday. Think about sports medicine and performance and the decisions uh, about the off season uh, who, you know, Tom, uh, Hunkley runs that department, but they're in charge of him. Everything, you know, everything involving football operations. Uh, Howie was obviously number one, and Catherine Rach was number two. So that's that's the top. When it comes to football operations, it's Roseman, it's Rache, it's Weidel, it's it's Cunningham and Brown um, as 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 um, co-equals. Um, and that's a lot of loss, especially for, for that top five. Yeah. The big, yeah. the big chief is still in place, but you're telling me in order, he lost his next four lieutenants. Correct. If, if Andy goes to Pittsburgh. Right. Uh, assuming, uh, Weidel, Weidel is Pittsburgh bound. That's a pretty big turnover and shoot uh, how he put this team together. I'm sure Jeffrey is, is very much, uh, in on the consultation as to who's being hired but he himself is uh, given Howie credit for it and said this is Howie's staff that Howie is the one who's put this staff together with the type of people that other teams around the National Football League are going to look to poach oh there's serious poaching going on if the top four are out of town by the uh, time next season starts uh, hopefully Howie has as good a season of rebuilding his front office as he has during these uh, last couple days of the draft I, uh, no drafted individual guys uh, made available to you yesterday, but a bunch of the veteran guys uh, were uh, made available to all the Eagle media, including the starting quarterback. And Jalen Hurts was his usual self, on point, focused, not really emotional, but said a lot of things that you wanted to hear if you were an Eagle fan. What did you take out of Jalen's uh, little confab yesterday? Um, yeah, I think what you said, very typical. I mean, that's the way Jalen is. He's not going to, uh, uh, be very emotional. He's not going to give you a lot. Uh, he's going to be focused. He mentioned rat poison again. That's big. He's not going to feed any rat poison to anybody. He's not going to take it. Um, I tried to give him a little morsel of rat poison because I think the most interesting thing about Jalen Hurts in the off season is, and by the way, it's not rat poison. Um, um, I, I say that facetiously, people take it the wrong way. Um, you know, he's working out in Southern California with Tom House and Adam Day, Day Dew, Day Dow. Uh, I'm sorry, Adam, uh, don't know how to pronounce your last name, but they are sort of the guys in, I'll call it the mechanics industry of NFL quarterbacks and, you know, it was our buddy Bob Groats uh, who who asked him, you know, have they affected your your throwing motion? And Jalen kind of laughed at that. Jalen didn't like that question. Um, but, you know, they might have not affected his throwing motion. So I kind of followed up and asked him, 
more of a question that I think he would give a bigger answer to, and he did, which was, you know, who came up with this plan? Was it was it more of you, or was it more of Nick and Shane and Brian Johnson? And he gave a, a pretty long answer, as in-depth as you're going to get from Jalen. And he pretty much said it was himself. I assumed he was going to go down the route of it was a collaborative thing. It was because I find it very hard to believe the Eagles didn't push him in that direction. And when you talk about mechanics, you, he can say they're probably not messing with his throwing motion because usually mechanics are about the bottom half of the body, the footwork and, and, and the lower half. And that's probably, I'm guessing from talking to a couple scouts, what they were working on. And I think it's a positive that he was um, uh, that he was working out there, number one. So it's all positive. Uh, but I but I do, you know, I guess it could be even more positive if he did it on his own. But I kind of take it like, why aren't the Eagles, you know, got a pinpoint plan? And maybe they do. Um, you know, haven't gotten a lot of time with Nick Sirianni yet. Um, and he'll make that clear to us at some point, whether it's on or off the record, but I don't, I don't know that yet. And it's, it's kind of a concern to me if they didn't have a detailed plan of how he should be going about improving in the off season, if he did it on his own, great, but I'd rather have the Eagles with a detailed plan. If you, if I'm explaining myself, I hope I am. Do you understand? Uh, yeah, I get what you're trying to say, and here's how I would look at it, and maybe I'm off base uh, as well. If I'm the Philadelphia Eagles, I want Jalen Hurts to know what we want Jalen Hurts to become. I want to be in the process, involved. Here's what our people think. We've got an entire coaching staff that's quarterback slash receiver heavy, uh, certainly we're going to be the the end factor as to what Jalen's going to be. If he wants to go out and uh, take in other information, take in other coaching from other areas, we do our research when he tells us, listen, I'm going out to Cali to work out with these guys. If you think that it's going to negatively affect them, you put a kibosh on it. But if you think that he can pick something up out there, that it can be advantageous, Oh, you allow him to do it. Say, all right, just, just keep us in the loop here. When he comes back for camp, the real coaches get their hands on him. And they're going to take what he uh, learned and what he worked on and mold it to their specification. If that's the way that it shakes out over the offseason, it can work out as all good. Um, it's never oh, a yeah. bad thing I... to get extra information in and work out. Now, there's a potential downside. All right, here comes negative Nellie McDonald. He, this gets so into his head that he can't think about doing it any other way, that he really likes what they're telling him. And he worked hard on it and he got a lot of reps on it. And then he comes back and um, John, uh, Nick Sirianni says, well, Jace, here, here what we would prefer you to do. And then he can't adjust. He can't add what the Eagles want to do to what he worked on during the offseason. Now you got yourself a problem. So. Uh, we won't know till he gets out there for uh, whatever practice is going to have. Oh, excuse me. No practices. Uh, yeah. I guess we'll be yeah. waiting all the way till camp when we find out what he's got. Um, if he decided on his own to go out to California and get help outside the organization, it can be very helpful or it could be a little bit of a hurdle they're going to have to get over. I don't think we'll know till camp. 
Yeah, I, I don't think it's any problem. That's the modern landscape of, of what's going on because there's so little off-season uh, football work in the facilities. Coaches may not like it. I always bring up Jeff Stoutland with Jordan Mailata, and he's like, I don't want anybody touching Jordan Mailata. We asked him that question about the Alliance of American Football when they were talking about you know trying to get a, a developmental deal, so to speak, with the NFL never manifested itself. And he was like, no, I don't want anybody. But the reality is, it's sort of like when pro coaches complain about college coaches that they're not preparing them for the NFL. Well, that's not their job. Right. Um, you, you want – players have to do things on their own now. They have to. So you have to accept this world where it's Tom House and Adam Dado working with quarterbacks or Jordan Palmer or Quincy Avery, who Jalen usually worked out with, or Chuck Smith is one of the famous pass rushing coaches, uh, the old Atlanta Falcons pass rusher, Duke Mayweather with offensive linemen. This is what it is. And look, they're going to be a little bit different than you are, but you have to bring that together. The last thing you want, is players that don't do anything in the off season and aren't working with these guys. So I think him working with them is all positive. My only question is if, if what Jalen told me is true and that he did it on his own, why didn't, why weren't the Eagles telling him to do it? That's, that's my only problem. They should be telling him to do it and they should be. In other words, the Eagles know all these coaches that I just mentioned for different positions. And there's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of famous guys. Like I gave you a bunch of less famous guys, but they should be doing their homework on who these best developmental coaches are for the off season and steering their guys in that direction. That's what I'm trying to, to get across the people. The fact the players working with these guys, they have to. Because they can't work out in their own facilities because of the collective bargain agreement. And the reason why this doesn't scare me much uh, as turning into a hurdle and uh, they're being having to be a remolding of uh, the quarterback when they get their hands back on him is the attitude of the player. He's not a me guy. He's not an ego guy. Some people may go out, do work on their own with, with another coach. Now you come back in with, coach. well, you know, I, I do it this way. This is the way I do it now. This is the way I think is best. That's not been Jalen Hurts since he got here to Philadelphia. He's a very coachable kid, and he doesn't have a big ego. Uh, so I think the melding of his offseason work with his ego work should be just fine this spring. All right, John McBone and Jody McDonald, your Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys hanging. Got two good guests coming your way today. Two Ks coming your way today. Yesterday we had two Gs, uh, and uh, Groats was hysterical. Um <laughs> We'll give you a couple of K's today. Yeah, a little later in the show, Michael K going to join us. Uh, but coming up next, our buddy from CBSSports.com NFL insider, Jeff Kerr, joins us here on Birds 365.
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on X News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Lincoln Financial Field is home to more than just our hometown team. It's a landing place for dreams. Invest in the future of our students from all over Philadelphia and get an exclusive tour of the stadium at the Block's Aspire to Dreams Gala, hosted by Brian Taff of 6ABC. While we aspire to build, our students aspire to dream. Join us for the Block's Gala on Thursday, May 5th at Lincoln Financial Field. Seats are limited, so reserve yours today at blocks.org slash gala. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Appreciate you streaming on in the Birds 365, McMullen McDonald. And a boy, Jeff Kerr, jumping aboard to join us here on this Thursday morning. J.K., we haven't talked to you since the draft. How much fun was that to, uh, from an Eagles standpoint and the rest of the NFL, we want you to comment as well. Man, there was a lot of activity. I don't know about you, but I was home watching it and I knew I was going to be going on the air, hosting shows, and like, I couldn't keep up with the damn trades. Yeah. I, like trades. every other pick that was made was a trade acquired, a trade re- reacquired and the like. Were you able to keep up draft day or just let me wait till this is all over and done with and analyze the whole thing? Well, it was funny you mentioned that because I was responsible for three teams in that draft, the Eagles, the Chiefs, and the Ravens. And the Chiefs were trading and the Eagles were trading and the Ravens wanted to trade. And I knew they wanted to, to, to draft Jordan Davis. So that was interesting in and of itself, just following three teams in their war rooms and what they were doing in the first round. By the way, all three teams had an excellent draft. But yeah, you had, you had, you had three, three good, good teams, teams man. There, Yeah, when yeah. the Chiefs got Karloftis at 30, I'm like, how they – I didn't even realize he was still on the board. And I'm just saying to myself, wow, they, they crushed it. Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis, and, you know, the Ravens. I, I kind of figured they were going to draft Kyle Hamilton right after um, – Jordan Davis went off. I think the Ravens had the best draft at all, even though everybody kept trying to trade ahead up of them, thinking 
you know, and they did want Jordan Davis, but you know, one thing Eric DeCosta is really good at is thinking on his feet, and he's got the contingency plan ready to go. Um, a couple other times in the draft, people are trading directly in front of the Ravens because they want a particular player they know they want. That's probably a good strategy, by the way, because they're, I, I always say, they're the smartest team in the NFL. So if you know who they want, go get that player because <laughs> they're probably know more than you do. Uh, and that that's usually born. And they, they were that fourth round. Every time you looked up, they had, I don't know how many picks it's in the fourth picks. round. And they were all like, wow, that's good value. That's good value. Uh, Amazing organization. And it really goes back to Ozzie Newsom. And we're talking about the Eagles front office leading the show, which is obviously well regarded as well. But since I've been around the NFL, I don't think there's been a more well-regarded franchise than, than the Baltimore Ravens. I'll tell you what, um, it was funny Friday night. So after DaCosta made his picks, they were talking. Then I think it was Jameson Hensley that asked him the question Do you guys plan on wheeling and dealing some of these fourth round picks, trying to get some draft capital for next year? And he kind of smiled at him and winked. And then he was, uh, Hensley just basically wrote the article, No, they're not doing that. They're, they're going to make all those picks. Like he, I, I think he kind of knew, but he had to ask the question then. Boy, they, they filled up a lot of holes there with Kohler and um, Isaiah Likely. They, they got three really good tight ends now. It's And we know Lamar with the tight ends and, and you know, how good Mark Andrews is. He's just really comfortable throwing the ball to tight ends. So it makes a lot of sense. I remember when they were here for joint practices and, and the one year, um, and I just said, man, they got good tight ends. They're just killing the Eagles with the tight ends. And it, it continues. And, um, you know, we'll see how things shake out with Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. But to me, they were the best draft. Um, but the Eagles are certainly top five in, oh, in my mind. I think if you had to pin or you had to to pick the top five teams right now. It's definitely the three teams I mentioned, uh, Ravens, Chiefs, Eagles, you know, whatever order you want to put them in. But, yeah, I mean, overall, for a team that had five picks like the Eagles, I was impressed with, A, the value they got, and, B, the types of impact players they can have in year one. Like, Cam Jurgens could start at center on this team right now. They just have an all-pro in Jason Kelsey. That's true. Uh, and it's a bit of a luxury pick. So, it, you know, I, I tell Jody, I've been too optimistic. Thanks for Bob Groats yesterday for bringing me down to earth. Uh, <laughs> I got to start, you know, it is a luxury pick because you still don't have a starting corner that you need. And the Eagles were again and there. Oh, Zach McPherson's ready. Really? Is he ready? Because I don't think the Eagles think he's really ready. Um, Tay Gowan, the Carrie Vincents of the world, and then safety. You know, I've been saying it for a while. Now people are jumping on the bandwagon. Marcus Epps is the best safety on this team. But as Jody says, well, yeah, that might be true, but that's a pretty low bar. And he's right. Um, they, you could argue they need two safeties uh, because I think Anthony Harris is a declining player. Uh, Prop, I think it's fair to say from where he was, he was once a Pro Bowl player. So I think it's fair to say he's not that. Um, how, how do you feel about taking a luxury pick so high for a team that is supposedly building, as Jeffrey Lurie would say? 
you know, this is what I, when they picked Jurgens, I'm like, Ooh, I like this player. Did I think it was necessary? I mean, is Jason Kelsey going to retire after this year? Because if so, then yeah, I like the pick, but if Cam Jurgens is going to wait two, three years, cause Jason Kelsey's still playing at a high level where they move him the guard or not, or have him slide in a guard. I, I don't know. I, but here's the other problem, John, what cornerbacks were really on the board that you were like, should we get this guy in the second round? Is he worth it? You know, maybe we should try yeah. back. And I just think they, they saw an opportunity to get Cam Jurgens and they had Jason Kelsey seal of approval and said, you know what, let's get a talented guy in here, a guy who could be a, a potential pro bowler in and of itself. And I wasn't sure what they were going to do at right guard. I know Isaac Sayomal, I think he's a free agent. I can't remember if it's after this year or next year. Yeah, it's after they yeah, it's after this year. Yeah, I, w- so. I was before they cut Nate, I was and I told Jody this, uh Nate Herbig I'm talking about. Um, I was starting to write a story on, you know, they might move on from Isaac Sayomalo because he makes a lot of money uh for a right guard. Yeah. And he's coming off an injury. He's only played I think 12 games over the past two years. And if they think that Jack Driscoll, and I know how much Nick Sirianni likes Jack Driscoll, can can give them similar level of play, they might decide to save some money. And then they 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 cut Nate Herbig. So that was a little bit of a surprise to me, the way they went there. Let me put it to both you guys, and you kind of touched on it, uh, Jeff. Uh, Jason Kelsey, yes, they kind of skimmed back a little bit of yes, he did in the pick. And, uh, but, but, got... and by the way, Jody, he's still got 17 questions about evaluating players. I'm like, stop asking him. He said he's not involved. I'm uh, like, I, but, but, but apparently, apparently, your brethren who cover the Eagles don't believe him. And I don't know if I believe him either, but he, he didn't I want believe. to be known as the guy who's making picks for the Eagles as a player, specifically his own potential replacement. So I understand where, where Casey was coming from, but I also understand the line of questioning. Uh, let's put that aside for a second. Jason Kelsey's going to be Eagles starting center this year. And as Jeff said, maybe we'll be again next year. Maybe we'll be the year after that. No, we have to do this safety dance every year with Jason Kelsey as he makes up his mind which I don't know how much he does or doesn't enjoy. Uh, I liked his answer yesterday about, well, you first got to figure it out physically. And when you know you're up to it, then you check out your situation. And yeah, we had fun last year. We got that much better last year. Coach Sirianni, blah, blah, blah. So we don't know that we're not going to do this two more years with Jason Kelsey. At what point do they cross train beef jerky as a potential guard? Because, I remember last year in the second round when they took Dickerson, we all talked about, oh, he's the heir apparent to J.C. Kelsey at center for the Eagles. This is kind of a uh, luxury pick. Well, they've done it again. Same exact thing. When do we see Jurgi playing a little tackle this year just in case Kelsey's going to stick around for a couple more seasons? I'll tell you when we see him playing guard. When McMullen goes to training camp, I think that's when they're going to cross-train him. I think you'll see him play some guard in the preseason. It's and they seem to cross-train everybody. Jack Driscoll was drafted as a tackle, and I remember the draft evaluate. Oh, he's strictly going to be a tackle. You know, he's not elusive enough to be a guard. Well, he proved that them wrong. Uh, Jack Driscoll's a pretty good guard and has a bright future in the National Football League. So I think you're going to see Cam Jurgens play some guard. I think you're going to see him play some center this preseason for whatever, how much time they have. And I, I think the cross-training begins 
immediately. I, I'm not sure we'll we'll see it this Friday in rookie minicamp, but I wouldn't be surprised at this point, Jody. I, I, I really feel that they're going to cross-train this player. He's going to be a center. He's going to be a guard just in case. Because I mean, Jason Kelsey, the way he's playing, I wouldn't be shocked if he did actually play till he's 36, 37, just based on his level right now. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he's playing. I, I think with Jason, it comes down to how he feels physically, uh, basically. And he felt good coming off last season, at least better than normal. But, yeah, I mean, noted uh, scout Jason Kelsey himself said, uh, you know, if you're a backup player in this league, you you got to be cross-trained. You can only dress seven or eight. Um, so you got to be able to play multiple positions. The question is not, is he going to be cross-trained? Is can he play guard? <laughs> that's That's the question. And a lot of people don't. You know, don't think he can. That's not a natural position. And and Jason again brought up, yeah, probably not physically. It's not a natural position for him. Um, but I will say to Jody's point, if there's one guy who's going to tell you the truth, it's Jason Kelsey. And Jason Kelsey said, this is more of, hey, we're going to draft your replacement. Are you okay with that? That's basically the 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 impact he had on the signing. And then he likes the player, uh, which is which is uh, which is a good thing. And Jason's one of those guys. We saw it with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee this week, Jeff, when he got asked about Malik Willis, and he's like, "I'm not here to mentor him or whatever the term was." He said, "I think it was yeah. mentor." And Jason's the exact opposite. I mean, he said he's been trying to train his replacement for eight years now. Um, and he's always willing to help younger players. And that's always interesting when you see the dichotomy because it's a weird setup to say, hey, go help your potential replacement. Um, the entire setup of the NFL is a little bit weird, but it's great when you have a player like Jason Kelsey who's willing to help young players. And you got to be really, really secure in yourself, and he certainly is really secure yeah. in himself. Now, do you think that has to do with the position? Because I always feel quarterback, it's, wait, I'm going to help this guy take my job? It's a little different, I think, between center, between cornerback. I remember, I think, Bobby Taylor and Troy Vincent were huge in Leo Shepard and Sheldon Brown's development over the years. I don't think Blaine Bishop was probably the same with Michael Lewis, because Michael Lewis was always creeping down his back, and Bishop was at the end. But of I think it's security. Like, yeah. if you're Patrick Mahomes, you'll help anybody. What do you care? Yeah. I mean, you know. If yeah, you're, does he have job security right now? No, I, I don't. Absolutely not. It's always about security. That's why it was so interesting with Brett Favre back in the day when Brett was, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, because he had some solid security, whether people knew it or not. Um, I mean, he had Doug Peterson behind him most of his career, so I don't think he had to look over his shoulder too much. Well, I mean, when they drafted Aaron. Aaron Rodgers, late in his career when he's, you know, those two, he, he wasn't exactly helpful to Aaron Rodgers. But nobody on, gets along with Aaron Rodgers. Shot on Doug uh, by Carr. Didn't see that one coming. I, the, <laughs> I, Devonta I Smith was... Here, Jody. Okay. Devonta Smith was one of the Eagle, quote-unquote, veterans, all of a year-plus veteran, that got to speak to the media yesterday. And he, of course, was excited about A.J. Brown uh, being on the opposite side of him. How do you see this working, J.K.? How do you think the the, the spread of uh, touches goes uh, that the Eagles have now in a, a wide receiver one, a wide receiver two, a wide receiver one, and a wide receiver one A? 
Um, it's, of course, going to come down to opportunity in games, how other teams defend it. We can lay it out how we think it's going to go, but then it's actually going to have to be decided on the field. So we'll stick with uh, just doing it on paper. How do you think the Eagles coaching staff looks at their two wide receivers right now? I think they just got to distribute the ball based on whoever's open. I mean, you got a game plan, guys scheme for whoever's open there, but they got to throw the ball more than 20 times a game. Uh, yeah, I, I think that offense they had in the second half of last year to come to the playoffs, it has to change. And I think they have to prove that I, really Jalen Hurts needs to throw the football consistently. If Jalen Hurts can do that, and I know he admitted that yesterday, he looked back at the tape of his games. And he said there were somewhere he thought he was playing at a high level and somewhere he thought he was terrible. And, I'm sure we can all mention here the games we thought he was terrible, but he just needs to be more consistent with the football. And I think he, he's got to be prepared to throw the ball 25 to 30 times a game with the weapons he has. You have Dallas Goddard. You got to put him in the mid. Wes Watkins is going to have to get some touches. This whole team, they're going to – I think Nick Sirianni wants to run a, pass, a passing offense. He just has to trust the quarterback he has. And it's easy to say that in May, but what happens in October if Jalen Hurts is inconsistent again? But here's the more difficult question, Jeff. You're right. You got to distribute the ball to who's open. But, you know, we brought up Doug Peterson. Uh, Doug would game plan. You know, he says, you know, football coaches, 17 and 86. That's that's who I'm game planning for. And that was all Sean Jeffrey. This was back pre before everything went bad. And Zach Ertz. Uh, Nick Sirianni said, Six and 88, uh, Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard um, turned into late in the season, turned into 88 and six. Uh, Dallas pretty much turned into uh, number one, but it was those two guys. And he always tells the story of his old college coach had and on, on the play sheet, had a series of plays for a guy you had to get the football. You had a little section of plays for the guy you had to get the football. And at least early in the season, which kind of tells you where the Eagles were, it was a rookie receiver. It was Devontae Smith. Um, They have to game plan with somebody in mind, and it's usually two guys. Give me the numbers. Who are those two guys going to be? I'm going to foreshadow because it's going to be 11 and 88. Yep, that's not six. Well, I'm going with it's 11 and 88, and that's who I would game plan for. And you, you kind of have to do it that way. I, I mean, it's, I think Devonta Smith's going to be fine because that's the type of player he is. He doesn't remind me of a diva or, a, you know, give me the ball, give me the ball. He reminds me of a guy that, hey, you know what? If I'm going to be open, I'm going to make the most of my opportunities when I'm open. And, but I, I agree with you, John, 11 and 88, because you got, a potential top five wide receiver in you and AJ Brown, who's only getting better year after year. He's 24. And you got Dallas Goddard, who if we write the top tight ends of football right now, he's right up there with the, with the best of them. Uh, I'll disagree. Um, I think Devontae Smith will be targeted more than Dallas Goddard next year. That's just me. Um, I know how good Goddard is and he stepped up big time and that's why he got the contract. But uh, I, I don't think Devontae Smith um, looks like a third choice in anybody's offense. Wouldn't be in my offense, but uh, I'll we'll see have to... with, with Dallas Goddard. He's going to be so wide open in the middle of the field with all those own looks because you're going to have to. Yeah, I remember the quarterback too, Jody. The quarterback got very, very comfortable throwing the football to Dallas Goddard 
uh, late last season. Very comfortable. I'm not not going to argue that. I'm going to argue that the Eagle offense is going to change this upcoming year. I think that's why they, why they went out and got the wide receiver that they did because their two top options were throwing it to the uh, running the football, throwing it to the tight end. I don't think that's what they want. I don't think that's what uh, the coach would prefer if he can uh, make his game plan happen. I think it's going to be getting the ball more on the guys to the outside and throwing further downfield. I agree with the preference, but do you have the vehicle to get to your preference? Mm -hmm. I just talked about Lamar Jackson with the tight ends. Same type of situation. You know, you got to take advantage of what your particular quarterback does well. By the way, what an interesting situation in Baltimore. You're, it's basically Rashad Bateman, Devin DuVernay, and guys. It's going to be interesting because Hollywood Brown basically said, I just don't like the offense, even though I'm with my buddy. I'm out. Rashad Bateman is a younger, cheaper option who was pretty good at the end of last year. I'm, I'm really curious to see what he does in year two and – how many times the Ravens actually throw the ball to wide receivers? Because I, I think I'm going to end my Twitter arguments now with, well, the Ravens have a worse group of wide receivers than this team because it's clear they don't care about that position as much. They don't care as much. I think it's fair to say that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and and that's part of the reason probably, you know, Marquise Brown wanted out. But if you look at, yeah, their backups are – James Proche, I yeah, guess, is going to be yep. going to be their slot receiver. Maybe I don't, I don't know, but yeah, it, it it's names you don't even recognize. But then you see the the tight ends, and you say, why are they drafting two tight ends with Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle? And because Lamar loves throwing the football to tight ends, and they take advantage of it. I think it's it's a smart thing to do. You know, but you got to get players like Mark Andrews, which aren't isn't easy. But the Eagles have one. I'm not going to say Dallas Goddard is Mark Andrews because I think the three best tight ends are Andrews, Kittle, Kelsey. But I think Dallas is right there. And, and, I think he's right, top five. It's yeah. four. I'm trying to think who I put for four. I think Goddard would be five. I think Goddard would be four. I can't think of somebody. I think it's those three and Goddard. Receiving-wise, I think Mike Kosicki's up there with them. But blocking-wise, well, we all know that Dolphins ever make him block. So he, he couldn't block at Penn State. But, again, that wasn't his role. Who are your, who are your three ahead of Goddard? Uh, Andrews, Kittle, and Kelsey. I take the kid from Las Vegas. Darren Waller. Darren, Darren Waller, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, he's a good receiver, but – yeah. What about TJ Hawkins? That's what we're talking about receiving here, aren't we? We're not talking well, about we're talking about uh, you know, Darren's a receiver. He was a receiver, he was drafted as a receiver by Baltimore. Yeah. I remember him here. He killed the Eagles as a rookie. I uh, was just, you know, that, jumping that up a, over him. There, there were two guys I feel like in the in the Ravens history that we always forget they were Ravens. One's Darren Waller and one is Priest Holmes. I always forget he was the 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 starter slash backup on that Super Bowl team. Yeah, Priest Holmes turned into a, a, a pretty good player. Now running backs get lost in the weeds because nobody cares about him. So let's talk about the running backs, Jeff Kerr. Uh, we, we've been mentioning Miles Sanders a lot. Um, Eagles didn't do anything at running back because they went, you know, the one 
I guess, negative to the Eagles draft was they started was the volume. Obviously, they started with 10 picks. They were down to five. So you couldn't address. We're like, if they had 10 picks, you knew they were going to take a tight end. You knew they were going to take a running back. You knew they were going to take a cornerback at some point, a safety at some point. But they couldn't take it. They only had five picks. So that volume was missing. One of the positions was running backs. Uh, they did sign Kennedy Brooks uh, from Oklahoma as an undrafted kid. Um, any concern at running back for the Eagles? We're kind of nitpicking, but they look good everywhere else offensively. So when I did an Eagles-only mock draft, I only did one of them. I don't even think I mocked a running back to them. And I made the joke that they got their value last year in Kenny Gainwell. And I forgot to mention him right away. And I actually put like a, a fun edit at the end. I'm like, if I forget who you are after your first year, that's usually a good thing because that means you produced. And I feel very strongly about Kenny Gainwell and what he can bring to that offense as a backup running back, as a receiving back out of the backfield. He can play that scat back role. I worry about if Miles Sanders gets hurt again. Do they go with Gainwell? Do they go with Boston Scott? I, I like the three that they have. And Jordan Howard, I don't know if he'll come back or not. He's still a free agent. But overall, He's waiting for the call. Yeah. He's waiting, he'll, he'll wait for the call. I, you know, Jordan Howard obviously has no interest anywhere else. But he's so important to this team. Like, if Miles Sanders does get hurt, I – I don't think Kenny Gainwell is a running back one from a durability standpoint, from a size standpoint, from a guy who can carry the football 15 to 20 times on a given day. I'm not saying for a whole season. Jordan Howard proved he can do that still on this team. Maybe he can't do it on any other team. I probably agree with you, but for this team, I called Jordan Howard today. I'd say, what the hell? And you're right. He produces here. It's there are certain guys that just produce here or it's been tested over time, no matter whose offense it was. Um, I'm trying to think who the receiver was. Andy Reid always brought in that was productive here. Who are you Um, thinking of? I got to rewatch old Eagles games now. I'm sure it'll come to me the minute I Jason Avant you're talking about. You know what? It was Jason Avant. That's right. It was Jason Avant. It's he was solid KC, but. He was reliable here, and the Eagles would give him a contract extension all the time. I mean, it's not like Jason Vaughn was terrible because he wasn't, but he was no, very he was good a, here. He was a solid big slot receiver. Didn't have a lot of speed, but he was a he was a solid player. All right, let me channel let me channel my best Bob Groats here, and we'll annoy <laughs> Eagle fans because uh, it's a pessimistic. Uh, Bob can find anything pessimistic about anything. We, we would cover a high school game together. Bob would find something pessimistic about the game. It's that, too hot or something. That's that's our boy growth. Um, probably right. It's probably let's, too hot. Let's yesterday we heard from Brandon Graham, and John always extols his virtue as a leader around this team and uh just a guy that everyone looks up to and can actually motivate his teammates and the like. And Eagles don't have uh Kelsey and Graham. Otherwise, this locker room is I don't want to say completely devoid of them, but they're not jam-packed with them either. So you have to appreciate the guys who actually do fill that role for you. And no surprise, Brandon talked a good game yesterday. Uh, as healthy as he's been, but everything's going well. What if he's putting a smile face on things? What if Brandon Graham isn't what he used to be? 
that this Achilles injury has actually had him lose a step. And Brandon's never been a double-digit sack guy, but a good pressure guy. What if he's not even that? As of right now, did the Eagles have enough at defensive end for you, Jeff Carr? I think it's enough in the sense that I don't think Brandon Graham is a de facto starter on this team next year. I think it's Hassan Reddick. I think it's Josh Sweat. And then you go to Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett. I still – and we got to keep in mind here, Milton Williams is probably going to play some edge as well because they're going to mix him in and out. I think they have the depth in case Brandon Graham isn't the same Brandon Graham. But I think Brandon Graham doesn't have to be that Brandon Graham anymore. I just think he has to be a guy that's productive when he's in there. And I still think even with an injury, Brandon Graham can still stop the run with the best of them. So I think he's going to have his value on this team, whether he's Brandon Graham or not. I, I don't think it's going to matter in the long run. I, I would like to see him get more depth there, but the guy I wanted them to sign ultimately uh, went to Houston, Rasheem Green. I really liked him. Um, I thought he would have been great for this team. But overall, I, I think they're they're fine at defensive end. I, I, and edge rusher, I, I feel like Brandon Graham's the wild card in all this. They could be great if he comes back to, say, Brandon Graham. But if not, they'll survive. They will. All right, last one from me, Jeff. Uh, follow him at Jeff Kerr, CBS, read him, uh, CBS Sports as well. Uh, Josh Sweat, nobody talks about Josh Sweat. Where are you with Josh Sweat? I mean, clearly the plan is, as you mentioned, on on third downs, it's going to be Hassan Raddick on one side and Josh Sweat on the other. Is he ready to take that next step? The Eagles certainly think so. They gave him the contract extension. I always said the first time I, I, I there's there's a a few players that the first time I see him, I go wow for different reasons. The first time I ever saw To on a football field, I was like wow this guy's this guy's different physically. Um, Josh Sweat, the first time I saw him as a rookie, and he was only a fourth round pick. Remember. I said, that guy looks like an edge rusher. You can if, tell he's a five-star if, player. <laughs> yeah. If, if you know, you were in Hollywood casting for a football movie and wanted an edge rusher, you'd go get somebody who looks like Josh Sweat. Um, he had the knee injuries, as you mentioned, uh, was once a really, really high-level recruit. Um is he ever going to be the double-digit sack guy? got close. I think it was at seven and a half last year. Can he take that next step? If I had to do five bold predictions for the Eagles in 2022, and I was pretty close on a couple of them last year, Josh Webb will be a double-digit sack guy this year because of the presence of Hassan Reddick, because of Jordan Davis, because of Fletcher Cox, because of Javon Hargrave. You gotta, you can't block all these guys. Like Someone's going to be free a couple times, and Jonathan Gannon can dial up some good four or five-man pressures. Josh Webb's going to get his. He's going to get home. So if – there's anybody on this team I'm banking on double-digit sacks this year. I think it's Josh Sweat. I really do. I, I think Hassan Reddick can get it, but I feel Hassan Reddick's presence is going to benefit Josh Sweat more than anybody else on this team. All right, last one for me, Jeff Carr. I'm going to ask you about an Eagles rental property. That would be their defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, who the <laughs> Eagles are just renting this year because it's a foregone conclusion. He's going to be a head coach in the National Football League at some point, so the if, Eagles not, if not next year. Um, 
there's some pressure on Gannon this year because they certainly went out and upgraded his weapon. We talk about weapons all the time, and A.J. Brown is a massive upgrade weapon for for uh, the quarterback on the offensive side. Well, they gave Gannon a couple of really nice tools to be able to work with, and I, I love Hassan Reddick, the player. I hope Jonathan Gannon uses him properly and figures out the best way to use him and get the most production out of him. Um, we'll see what uh, Davis gives them in the middle of the line. We love the talent. How is he going to be used with the two guys that they've already got at tackle who are uh, significant contributors to this team, as is, both with some holes, and that's why the Davis pick is, is a good one. Give me your confidence level, Jeff Kerr, from A-plus to F, that Jonathan Gannon is going to be able to take the talent and or lack thereof, safety, cornerback uh, two, uh, and be able to mold this defense to be even better than the one he had last year. A plus to F. What's your confidence level on Gannon right now? It can't be any worse, so I'll go B. Um, I mean, he definitely has the talent to get pressure on the quarterback. He has the talent. He has the all-ball linebackers to make plays now. Uh, I think that was one of his biggest deficiencies last year. And again, that, that wasn't his fault, but at, the Eric Wilson experiment was a total flop. So you had to go with guys like TJ Edwards and Alex Singleton. And you had, he was spending half the year finding the right combination of guys that can just be competent. And obviously the Brandon Graham injury hurt. Steve Nelson was okay. He wasn't right. I, I mean, he would be nice to have on this defense this year, but I get it. They like those young cornerbacks. Uh, I thought he had issues at safety last year. And he still has issues in the secondary. So this, this is why I'll go B because I'm not, I'm just not sure how he's going to dial up the coverage. Key. But I think with, the front seven, the linebackers he's got, I think he's going to be better in 2022. There's no doubt about that. And hopefully, because uh, according to many, we'll be waving goodbye to Jonathan Gannon after this year. I think he needs to do a little bit more if he's going to end up being uh, relocated to the big chair. I'm somewhere. surprised he's not a head coach now. I'm still surprised. He didn't I picked him to go to the Texans, and yeah. I got right on by CBS Sports and everybody else, and I was just like, look, I'm just telling you, it's that just seemed like a Texans hire. I mean, I hope Lovey Smith's there for more than a year. I just hope he's not a stopgap guy, but yeah. we'll, we'll see. Good luck to Lovey. Bottom line is, they had Jonathan Gannon and Lovey Smith, and Lovey got the job. What does that say about Jonathan Gannon? Well, there were some other issues involved there. I mean, would well. you guys want the Houston Texans job right now? I don't think I would. I think Jonathan would have took it. He would have taken it. Well, he likes he challenge. Yeah, By the way, guys, I, I have to mention this. Um, I don't know if you saw my latest piece on CBSSports.com doing some self-promotion here. But Please. I, I recapped the Carson Wentz trade and Howie Roseman's magician or him being a wizard, essentially. The Eagles traded Carson Wentz and Matt Pryor. They got to the, to the Colts, two separate deals. Yeah. They got A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, 2023 first, 2024 second, and Kyron Johnson. And the Saints gave up a boatload of stuff for Chris Olave. For so. Chris Olave, yeah. I can't believe what the Saints gave up for Chris Olave. But, uh, yeah, be careful. Howie's a bad GM, Jeff. You don't know that he's a bad GM, and I'll tell you what—I don't know why Mickey Loomis picked up the phone when when Howie calls and said, "Hey, uh, do you guys want any of our first-round picks?" I'd be like, "Stay away from me." <laughs> yeah, I forgot Jody'll Joe, get this reference. Uh, Andrew Friedman is kind of famous in baseball. It's Andrew, right? Friedman. Yeah. yeah. He wins every trade. Uh, Howie's becoming the Andrew Friedman of the NFL. Um, 
I forget who called him that. I want to give him credit, but 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 I think he when it comes to valuation, not evaluation. Jody hears me say this all the time. Nobody better than Harry Roseman. Nobody. Mm. And yeah, I'll put him. Good. I'll put him up there, right there, with any of the other guys. Um, but again, it comes down to evaluation. It you can't separate the evaluation. Two. You can, is you can more try important. and separate the two, but one eventually, when you're looking at the big evaluation of a general manager, at some point you have to put evaluation back in. You got to be able to pick the right players. It's. I, I would argue it's more important. I'm not even arguing that. But when it comes to valuing assets and understanding what assets are worth. Um, how he does it better than anybody else. I think it's fair to say. I think if the Eagles ever get in their Super Bowl, especially with this core, how many Roseman should just say, this is for DK Metcalf and Justin Jefferson. You guys got to remind me. Ooh, there you go. Jeff Kerr, That's always a pleasure. Evaluation, Jeff. With us today. Yeah. Um, we'll touch base again uh, either next week or the week after. Thanks for coming on with us. Always a pleasure, guy. Hey, we got the schedule next week, so yeah, for, forgot about that. Okay, May yeah, we we'll get you on next week. May talk 12. about the schedule. Uh, that yeah. is uh, seventeen and zero, guys. <laughs> I dates and dives, love it. We're we're going to be talking about dates and dives. Let's talk logistics. I love that day. J.K., good stuff. Thanks for coming on. I still got a buddy that uh, hits me every single year uh, before the Jets' first game of the season to say seventeen and zero. We got a running joke. We've been texting each other back and forth. Uh, yeah, the Eagles That's or the Jets. That's a loss. Jim. Neither That's one of win. them will be going seventeen and zero. I feel pretty damn confident about it. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. You got your Mac and Mac Birds three sixty five guys will come back. I want to ask John about quarterbacks. Jason, uh, the, our uh, lead guy, uh, Mister Hurt, yesterday spoke, and he sounded like a guy who had just comfort in his shoes. God bless him. I love his confidence level. Is he good enough that we still have to determine? I want to make a point with John about how many guys in the league do we know are good enough already that you can bank on them being your guy for several years to come. Uh, I got my rankings. I think you'd be surprised how few there actually are in the league that uh, Jalen Hurts is in a larger group than you actually consider. All right, we'll come back. We'll do that next. Michael K. also next hour. Here with us on Birds 365. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. 
Lincoln Financial Field is home to more than just our hometown team. It's a landing place for dreams. Invest in the future of our students from all over Philadelphia and get an exclusive tour of the stadium at the Blocks Aspire to Dreams Gala, hosted by Brian Taff of 6ABC. While we aspire to build, our students aspire to dream. Join us for the Blocks Gala on Thursday, May 5th at Lincoln Financial Field. Seats are limited, so reserve yours today at blocks.org slash gala. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside, for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. At Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. McMullen and McDonald here with Yon Birds 365. Talk on Hometown Eagles. Thank Jeff Kerr for jumping aboard. We'll get Michael Kay from Pro Football Network to join us in about uh, 15, 16 minutes from now. All right. Uh, with the fact that we got a chance to hear from Jalen Hurts yesterday, it made me think about the quarterback position, not only here in Philadelphia, Johnny, but across the league as well. Let me ask you a question about Jalen Hurts. Two-parter. And see if you come up with a yes for either or both or neither. Jalen Hurts, will he be, at the end of this season, one of the top 16 ranked quarterbacks? I won't go top five. I won't go top 10. Top half of the league. We got 32 teams, 32 starting quarterbacks. Will he be in the top half of the quarterbacks? And is it a given that he's going to be the quarterback of the Eagles, not only for 2022, but 2023 as well? Two-year given as the starter, and he will be in the top half of the quarterbacks in the league. Uh, the first one, yes. I, I think he already is um, top 16. Um, you know, I'd have to go through the whole list, but I would imagine he'd probably be 14, 15. <laughs> so right above that level. Um, and will he be the quarterback for two years? Um, no. I, I don't you think for the you can't reason say that yet. Can you? No, no, you can't I, uh, for, for the reason I always talk about, because you're going to have to make a serious monetary decision. Uh, now 
I could say yes if it were just, you know, in perpetuity of they're going to get Jalen Hurts level of play for $2 million for perpetuity. I bet they'd be fine with that. Right. But they got to make that decision. And when it spikes to over 30, and that's so that is part of the question that must be answered. So your answer is no, you can't assure both of those two things. My answer would be no, I can't assure both of those two things. That sounds like a bad place to be. But let me quickly ask you about the other quarterback situations in the NFL. The Washington Commanders in division. Right now, Carson Wentz is their starting quarterback. Can you guarantee he'll be in the top half of quarterbacks for the next two years? Will he be their quarterback for the next two years? No, I cannot guarantee either of those things. Exactly right. How about uh, Danny Dimes up there in New York with the Giants? You think Daniel Jones is guaranteed to be there for two years and in the top half? No, big no. All right. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott. Uh, Yes, he will be there. I would say yes and yes to both questions. Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers. Yes. Yes and yes. Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins. Uh, yes and no. Uh, so, again, so that's a no. You got to answer yes to both questions for it yes. to be a yes. Yes. So, so cousins that is a would no. be an overall no. Justin Fields. Mm, boy, that's a difficult one. But I would say no. Right. Because at, it's a at new this regime. point, I think you have to say no. You don't know he's going to climb into the top half of the quarterbacks. Yeah. Plus, it's a new regime and they don't have any loyalty. True. I love the kid, and I hope it's yes, yes, but I can't say that it's yes, yes as of right now. Uh, Detroit Lions. Uh, No, No. obviously. Jared Goff, you're not banking on it. Here's one. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady. Two years. No, because... No, he was just retired. Yeah, yeah. You can't put Brady Brady in that list. It's pretty clear he'd like to be in Miami now. For whatever yeah. Tom's Tom's having a midlife crisis. Let's be honest. <laughs> I wish I Can't could guarantee. Have, I wish I could have his. No, I, we all do. We all do. Oh my God! Yeah, he's so afflicted. Uh, <laughs> New Orleans Saints. No, Davis Winston. That's a no. Atlanta Falcons. Marcus Mariota. Do the deal. Ops. Absolutely no. I can't even get to September. Or whatever right. the first week is with Carolina Panthers. Matt no. Corral, a.k.a. No. Sam Donald, a.k.a. who the hell knows? No. Absolutely no. Los Angeles Rams. Yes. Yes. Stafford going to be there two years. He's going to be. I even hesitated there. there because of age, but obviously player-wise, contra- yeah, no problem. I think problems. Stafford has to be yes. Arizona Cardinals. Yes. I'm going to go yes because uh, Kyler can't, can't get out of it. They, they're going to pay him. Um, and he's certainly top half of the league. See, I'm, so I'm going, going to go. no. When when guys want to move, they move in the National Football League now. Devontae Adams moves. Tyreek Hill moves. They yeah, get moved. But they, they move for money, and I've, I've gotten every indication they're going to pay him. So I, I'm right. giving I'm, I'm giving him yes. a no. Uh, San Francisco, Trey Lance, a.k.a. Jimmy Garoppolo. No, no, That's a no. no. Seattle Seahawks. Drew Locke no, is lock a lock. No. No. So in the NFL, for me, this is just me. You, you're putting Kyler Murray in that mix, too. It's Dak Prescott. It's Aaron Rodgers. That's it. Two. 
There's two quarterbacks in the NFC that right now you say he's here for two years guaranteed and he's going to be a top half quarterback in the league. So the Eagles got a lot of company. If you can't say yes, yes for Jalen Hurts just yet, that okay, it's not perfect, but misery loves company. The, like the whole entire rest of the NFC, except for two teams out of 60. Yeah. Now the AFC is the a lot better. The yeah, AFC's, AFC's better. in better shape in that you got uh, Allen in Buffalo. Mac Jones, yes, yes. But but Mac top Jones, 16, Mac though. Jones I, didn't get yeah. into the top half of quarterback yet. Yeah, you're right. I keep I'm I'm more focused on the second half of the question. Right, but that, you got to think of yeah, both. Yeah, I'm a huge right. Tua fan. I think Tua is no, going to be yeah, yes, yes. Right. I can't say yes, yes yeah. yet because he hasn't played his way into the top half. No, you're right. Wilson right. of the Jets, same thing. He's going to be their quarterback the next two years, but will he get into the top half of the quarterback? He's got to go there first. He hasn't been close yet. Um, Burrow a given. Pittsburgh, no, no. You can't say yes yet with uh, Deshaun in Cleveland because he might have off-field issues. Uh, he's paid. He's going to be paid yeah. like it. And yeah. If he's it, on it, the it, field, it, you believe he's going to be in the top twelve. It, but he's got to be able to stay on the I, team. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I guess I'm being a little bit more liberal here. I, at some point, he's getting on the field, so I'm going yes with Deshaun Watson. Might be after six games, but I'm going yes. He's going to mm. be there two two years, and he's going to be one of the best right. top half. Of the if board. there's a question mark attached to it, it's a no for me. I'm not questioning his talent. I'm questioning his ability to stay on the field because of certain issues that. Well, uh, he's done with the criminal part. He's going to be on the field. It's just a matter of. Uh, it's just a matter of how long the suspension is going to be. And either way, when he does get on the field, he's going to be top 16 and he's going to be there. So I'm I'm going to go yes on Deshaun. All right, fair enough. Uh, Baltimore, is Lamar guaranteed to stay? Yes, because of the franchise tag. You got a point there. They will slap the franchise tag on him. I I didn't necessarily have him as a. They don't want to because it's going to be so expensive, but they right. will. I I think they have to. You're right. Uh, Tennessee, uh, you you believe no. in Tannehill? No. Uh, no. He's worried, he's worried about a third round pick. So no. Matt Ryan, the owner came out and said it was a two year deal. Yeah, no. You don't necessarily just had believe it with that, Carson Wentz. Now, I believe it will be a yes. I believe he'll be top 16 and he'll be there for two years. But the age, no, I can't. Not a given. Uh, Houston Texans, I continue. I, I almost feel bad. I've never met the guy. I've never even, I don't think I've seen any extensive interviews of him. But maybe it's because we have John McClain on his office as we do. And remind me, we've got to get John McClain on again, even though he's retired. He'll come on with you and I because he likes you and I. Um, he always talks up this Davis Mills. Oh, they love Davis Mills. Davis Mills is the guy. Look at I the can't numbers. I can go Davis. top 16 with him. I can't. I can't go top 16. No. I think he's better than you think he is, but I can't. I can't guarantee top top half of the league. Yeah, I don't think he's I don't think he's a top two thirds of the league, as a matter of fact. Um Lawrence has got to prove that he can get into the top half. I believe he will, but he didn't off last year, so you can't just write him into no. that just yet. Um, Mahomes, yes. Carr, yes. Uh, Herbert, Herbert yes. yes. And Wilson, yes. Damn, look at that division. Look, look at the AFC West. The whole, That's yeah. four for four in that division. So there are about six guys in the AFC. 
there's only two in the NFC. There's six or seven in the AFC. That's why most people think the AFC is better. But here's my overall point. About, let's say, eight, maybe nine in both leagues combined. That's a quarter of the league. So three quarters of the league can't answer the question, yes, our guy is going to be here for the next two years, and yes, he's guaranteed to be in the top half of the quarterbacks. The Eagles are just with everybody else. Any of those of you who are worried and sweating, how can we get excited? It's Jalen Hurts. We don't know what Jalen Hurts is going to be. Yeah, that's the league. If yeah, but get- I, I will say you're right for the most part, but that number is really small. There's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of qualifiers there. So, like, you know, Tom Brady. A lot Brady, of qualifiers there's two. Yeah, but I'm saying, you know, I'm I'm saying the more important part to me is the playing standpoint. Like, you know – Tom Brady's top half of the league, right? You just got to convince him to keep playing. Um, You know Kyler Murray's top half of the league. You just got to convince him to stay in Arizona. You know Lamar Jackson's top half. You just got to convince him to stay. Blah, blah, blah. Deshaun Watson, you talked about, you know he's going to be top half of the league. So to me, I'm just saying, that, that part is weighted. I'd rather have the guy in the building and being worried about keeping him in the building than not having a guy in the building. That's my only point. So it's it's a little bit artificially low. I, I see where you're going. I I agree with you for the most part. We had a couple differences, but not many. But but the talent, you know, I'd rather have the talent, and I know I have the talent, and I just got to keep him in the building. I agree. Um, I There are only two qualifiers but there are qualifiers within the qualifiers, like a Brady. If he sticks around and plays two years, yeah, of course, he's going to be two years, plus he's going to be in the top 12. We know that, but we don't know it yet because he just came off retirement. I do. I think Deshaun Watson's going to miss time. I think it could well, be a pretty big suspension. Did you see what, and I know we're uh, kind of comparing apples and oranges. Did you see what Major League Baseball did to the Dodger pitcher, Trevor Bauer? Yeah, yeah. Uh... Two years! He got suspended for two years. And there's more smoke around the Deshaun Watson fire than there was about the Trevor Bauer fire. Yeah, well, I, you know, baseball has a longer history of being, especially with PEDs, um, uh, harsher. It's not PEDs we're talking about, John. No, I know. Uh, but the, overall, they have, a, they, they have a history of being harsher with penalties than the NFL. I mean, that would be uh, out of character for the NFL. And and the thing about the NFL is everything is far more, which is a surprise because you usually, when you compare football and baseball, you usually think baseball is the stronger union, typically does, I mean, by far. But when it comes to penalties, it, it seems like the D. Smith and the, and the football union have done a better job than the baseball one. I've never seen that kind of penalty. Uh, but if you're, I, I think, yeah, it's apples and oranges. You can't compare. I've never seen it in the NFL. So until the precedent is set, I, I, it's not even, I'm, I'm thinking six games at most. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm thinking it could be more like eight or 10. It won't be Trevor Bauer like two years. We know that, but uh, he's, I think he's going to miss more than, or at least up to half. Well, I'm thinking eight. And now that the, 
It's the biggest season ever in the history of the National Football League, or the co-biggest <laughs> well, season because the they're going to play season. seventeen yeah. games. Uh, it it might. Well, be yeah, but all right. So let's say it's eight. All right, then he's on the field in game nine. He's still two he's, years. He's going we'll to yeah. played more than half. True. Yeah. All right. Uh, another precedent we've set here on Birds three sixty five is. We always learn something when Michael K comes on. Even if we have to go to wrestling, we'll learn something. Yeah. But K knows a little bit about football, too. Uh, Michael K going to join us next here on Birds 365. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on Action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Lincoln Financial Field is home to more than just our hometown team. It's a landing place for dreams. Invest in the future of our students from all over Philadelphia and get an exclusive tour of the stadium at the Blocks Aspire to Dreams Gala, hosted by Brian Taff of 6ABC. While we aspire to build, our students aspire to dream. Join us for the Blocks Gala on Thursday, May 5th at Lincoln Financial Field. Seats are limited, so reserve yours today at blocks.org slash gala. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits, go for the fans, go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. You got your Mega Mag guys here with you on Birds 365. Appreciate you streaming in. While you're at it, hit that like button. We could use a little help from our streaming pals. And when we need help to talk about what's going on in the entire National Football League and maybe the EW, uh, we bring in Michael K from Pro Football Network. MK, how's your off season been? Been a minute. Yeah, it's uh, it's been busy. 
it's really been busy. I mean, obviously covering the whole league has been kind of a learning experience as, as we go along, but uh, you know, John's seen me, I think twice in the past week. So, you know, I've been, yeah, it's like old times. Yeah. Um, and maybe there'll be some special stuff for Eagles fans down the road as well. Um, that we can't talk about, I guess yet, but, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's been good. I'm happy to be back with the max. Yeah, I was I, w- I was hoping to say something about that, but I'm going to keep that under wraps for now. I do want to direct everybody. Uh, Mike did a great piece at, at Pro Football Network where he was embedded uh, with the senior director uh, for Octagon, Octagon Football, uh, going working the phones uh, during day three of the draft, which is always interesting because you have undrafted guys, so. Really interesting look. Everybody should check that out at, at profootballnetwork.com. But let's start with the Eagles, obviously, Mike. Um, how are we getting a lot of praise for, for day one? Loses a lot of volume in the draft, though. So there's still some needs out there, cornerback safety most notably. But your thoughts uh, about the Eagles draft? Yeah, I think day one was a situation where we know with Howie, if he really wants something – he will go up and get it. And I think that this was kind of putting a, like a, a microscope on that. Um, <clears throat> let's start with Jordan Davis. So Jordan Davis, uh, I had said for weeks that if they traded up for anybody, if it, it, w- it would be within the top, it would be within that 10 to, f- to 14 range. Um, and it would probably be for Jordan Davis. He's a guy that has an extremely high ceiling because of his athletic ability, but his floor is also tremendous as well. As a matter of fact, I'd say he's got the highest floor in the draft because at worst, you know, he's going to be a very, very good two down run defender. Um, And he's a guy who can take on double teams. And I think that's really important in a year where you have Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox, both in contract years. And you know that they can master three technique. They can rush one-on-one. Jordan Davis has to be double teamed. So if Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave are getting one-on-one assignments, that could be really good for the Eagles from a pass rushing standpoint. It also can get the most out of Josh Sweat. Um, I also think you can get a lot out of, out of Brandon Graham with those one-on-one matchups. They're very hard to beat with their speed off the edge. I also think if you watch tape, like I tweeted this the other day, it was before day two of the draft. If you watch Nakobe Dean's highlights, every single highlight is Jordan Davis literally moving, yeah, yeah, moving the I box said, yeah. and allowing – Dean to kind of operate in space. And I think that's really important for the Eagles linebackers. We saw last year, the Eagles struggled mightily against the run because they had to have the safeties so high. This allows them to play the safeties high. If they want to, they're probably going to need to given the personnel that they have. Um, And so look, I think it's a slam dunk pick. I know that a lot of people don't really like the idea of drafting a run defender, but he's really a blank canvas as far as pass rushing goes. I think you know, if Tracy Rocker can develop a couple of moves, watch out um, because his his ceiling is so high. He's only 22 um, and he's got such natural gifts. His first step is ridiculous. Um, and so he's got like a ready-made run defender right there. But on top of that, he's got so much to build upon. And I think that that's a huge thing. Then you talk about A.J. Brown. So they've done the first round wide receiver dance the last two years. They've hit. I mean, they've missed and then they've hit. This was kind of the tiebreaker and saying, you know what, we're going to take this out of development hands and we're going to go get a a true bona fide star. I think A.J. Brown is a top 10 wide receiver in this league. 
Um, he's the biggest trade acquisition on offense that they've had since Jason Peters. Um, he's the best wide receiver that they've had since, you know, Macklin left town. Um, and frankly, you could argue that he's better than Macklin. So I, I think you, you're getting a guy who's only 24. He was the one to trade for. I know a lot of people made a, a big deal about Debo Samuel, but Debo Samuel, you have to like kind of adjust your offense. Yeah, every day. you got yeah. more of an X receiver who's going to complement Devonte Smith, who now moves to the Z spot, which is perfect for him because we know how fast he is off the line. We know his foot works awesome, but giving Devonte Smith that extra space is huge as the flanker. And I think you know he'll complement Quez Watkins very well, who now is going to move to the slot. I think. All three guys can play three different positions. That's good. Zach Pascal can do the same thing, um, which brings up questions, obviously, about Jalen Rager's future. Um, but I look, I, the, the day one I thought was a slam dunk. Day two, I understand the pushback on Cam Jer- uh, Jergens, but I do think he was he, the thought process there was a lot like Landon Dickerson, where it's like you want to redshirt him for a year, but you know he's going to eventually play. I mean, we saw last year Jason Kelsey went out with injuries. Nate Herbig could barely snap the ball, and he said, "You know what? Screw it. I'm going to go back out." You can't do that to a center when you're when you're really trying to compete and really trying to contend long term, and you're paying them 14 million dollars. And what people don't really get, in, in my opinion, is that when you have a guy like Jason Kelsey, and he's out, and you don't have a guy who has comparable skill sets who's able to pull, Jason Kelsey's the best pulling center I've ever seen. So, <clears throat> it, it, I think he's the best pulling center in the history of the league, but if you don't have a guy who can do even like half as well as him as a pulling center, your running game is shot because he's really, he and Jordan Maylotta are really what makes that running game go. And I think they saw to themselves, they said, you know what, if the corners are off the board, the safeties are off the board. I tweeted out several times. I would have traded back with that pick um, because that's what I would have done. But I understand why they said, you know what, guy who's got a comparable skill set to Jason Kelsey, guy who's got great character, guy who's kind of quirky, who would fit the locker room. Let's go after him. And then look, everybody complained that it wasn't a Kobe Dean and then they got him in the third round. And, and um, you know, everybody's saying the right things. I still, I still think that he's going to be redshirted for at least part of the year. I think with that pec strain, you, yeah, maybe he can play in practice, but you probably don't want him taking a lot of contact early on. You have TJ Edwards, you have Kaiser White, um, I'd expect if he does play, Kaiser White and him would rotate uh, inside because they are playing more of a 3-4 odd front. Um, and then TJ Edwards would be the green dot. And then, you, you know, similar to Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox, you're having White and Edwards battle for that extension. Well, Mike, uh, real quick before you jump in, Jody, because, Nicole, sure. you, you, you mentioned uh, the injuries. Have you heard anything? I know Joe... Uh, Shane and with the Giants talked about it a little bit, but I, I've heard the pack is not necessarily the bigger problem with other teams. It was the degenerative stuff with the knee and the shoulder. Did you hear any of that? Uh, yeah, I've heard that that was more of the concern than the pack. Um, I don't like, you know what? Everybody has different, you know, it's tough with medical, right? Like we're not yeah. in the room and, 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 and you don't want to just take what somebody says at face value with medical because they're not the doctor. Right. So yeah, yeah, I do think there's some long-term concerns, but I think it's similar to, to miles Jack. Remember miles Jack really bad knees and he's gone out and played 
pretty well throughout his career. The the Jaguars signed him to a long-term contract extension. He didn't miss a ton of time. Um, Linebacker is one of those positions too, especially if you're playing 3-4, where you can kind of hide uh, guys a little bit. And, you know, we use in wrestling a bump card. I, I think a 3-4 inside linebacker spot is better for uh, someone like Nicobe Dean. But I, I think his lack of size, so he's 5'11", um, he's more of a two-down run defender, in my opinion, um, kind of played into it as well. I think he's extremely instinctual. I think he's a really good leader, got great character, all that stuff. But I don't know how I, I would feel about putting him in coverage at his size um, with that history of knee injuries and, and obviously shoulder as well. Yeah, because the uh, Georgia Bulldogs got so picked apart by coverage with him being part of it this past year. <laughs> he, he, well, was, he was he was the man on the best defense in college football in the last decade. I, I don't see where the concerns come from because you stretch out his, and he's 5'11 and a half. Uh-oh, he's not going to be able to cover people, except he did for the last two years. Well, now, There's no Dallas Goddards out there. Yeah, even, I mean, my pushback is – yeah, my pushback on that is he's surrounded by talent. Like the Eagles, you know, it's it's an even playing field now. And I think, look, I, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a good player. I'm not down, you know, downing him. But I do think that that was some of the logic, I guess, from the scouting and and teams. I mean, like I mean, he did in reality fall. So, oh, sure. Um, I think that that's something to to kind of look at. And then I think like the day two picks, I mean, you know, they got a really decent Sam linebacker prospect who's going to be a very good special teams player, essentially going to take over for Alex Singleton. And then the tight end, scary history of concussions, in my opinion. But, um, you know, obviously having that relationship with Hertz, it's worth taking a flyer. He's got, um, you know, he's a little bit undersized, but a little thin, but, you know, I think he compliments Dallas Goddard. I think he also compliments, you know, uh, Jack Stahl. So um, that works. He's another guy to kind of put in that Tyree, Tyree Jackson sort of mold. It's, you know, him and Noah Togiai and um, Richard Rogers all competing for that third tight end. Don't forget Richard. Richard's Yeah, back. you can never forget. Yeah. Bill, <laughs> Bill the on team the really can't. And I'm with you on the Calcutta thing because – Oh, he actually walked away from the game. N'Kobe Dean just kept making tackle after tackle after tackle. But we have concerns about his health as compared to Calcaterra. No, you're right about the tight end. Um, mentioned uh, we're going to see more 3-4 looks with the Eagles in this upcoming year. Certainly yeah, I'm, I mean, that's the precipice for, for bringing in a guy like Jordan Davis. Like, he's a true nose tackle. Like, you can use him as one zero technique. I mean, they're going to be a hybrid defense. That's what they're going to be. So you're going to see three, four looks. You're going to see four, three looks. There are very few teams that only run like one, you know, an odd or an even front, but I do think you'll see a lot of three, four concepts. I think you'll see a lot of standing from the edge rushers pretty much because of who they have here. I mean, Josh Sweat can play three, four outside linebackers. So can Brandon Graham. So can Derek Barnett, despite popular belief. Um, you know, you're going to want to have your best players on there. And the best way to do that is to, you know, put uh, Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox to the outside of Jordan Davis and then have, you know, Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham rush. Like, you're not going to want to rotate that much. And when you do, it'll probably be on third down. You know, I, I think 
this team wants to be as multiple as possible. And I think that's why you saw so much investment in the front seven uh, compared to the secondary this offseason. All right. So let me ask you to make a little bit of a prediction here. Percentage of snaps, Hargrave, Fletcher, and uh, the newest addition, Davis. Jordan, Dav- Jordan uh, Davis. Uh, yes. Uh, understanding health will dictate the number, but for the purposes of today's uh, projection, what do you think their percentage of snaps is going to be on the field between those three guys? I think Hargrave will be in the 70s. I think that um, Cox will be in probably the 50 to 60 range, and then Davis will make up the majority of the rest along with Milton Williams. How much do you think Milton's going to kick outside? Um, and we talk about there's a lot of depth on this defensive line now, Mike, um, and the fact that, you know, there's a little redundancy now with Jordan Davis. I always say the dominoes fit in the place because JG has wanted that zero one technique guy. Now you have Jay Bond's a three technique, essentially Fletcher's a three technique, Milton's a three technique. Um, so that's a, that's, there's only so many snaps. So if Milton's going to get um, considerable playing time. It almost has to be outside, but then you start talking about Graham and Barnett and Reddick's here to rush the passer. I do think people get too caught up in 3-4 versus 4-3 because they want to be multiple. When Hassan, you know, presumably Hassan Reddick's going to be the same linebacker on first and second down, so you're going to have five-man fronts essentially. Um, And then he'll, he'll, he'll be the edge rusher with Josh Sweat. Who's inside then? Is it Brandon? Well, I think that's why you look at a 3-4 and say, you know, you can put Hargrave at five technique, you can put Fletcher at three or Milton at three, and then you put – because that's really what Hargrave is. Hargrave is is a true five technique that they're rushing as a three technique. So you he's, can not put, a, he's not a one. I know that. Yeah, he's that, not a that's zero. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so you have, you have these guys up front, and I think – Look, I think there's a reason why they didn't go edge rusher in this draft is they have edge rushers, right? Like, and if you're rushing from a 3-4, you're using Reddick as one of your outside rushers. So the rotation is really Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, and and Derek Barnett. It's not, you know, Fletcher Cox, uh, Javon Hargrave, Jordan Davis, Milton Williams. Those guys are going to be on the field. I think... I think you want to be able to have as many, you know, fireballs as Andy Reid would put it and and just throw as much as you can. I think this is going to be a very package-oriented uh, rotation. They're going to have specific situations that they want to use. And I, look, Hargrave, I mean, sorry, Gannon came in here. I mean, you and I both said it with this kind of defensive Sean McVay sort of vibe. And being this creative guy, he didn't have the personnel to do that last year. Now he's getting a bunch of chess pieces that he can move. I think Hassan Reddick's going to be a massive signing for him and his ability to create and be different. Um, I think Jordan Davis gives you a lot of opportunities to create one-on-one matchups elsewhere. Um, And I think... You know, overall, their secondary isn't great. So the the idea of just mixing and matching front seven personnel has to, you know, serve as the insurance policy for coverage. And I think that's what they're planning on doing. All right, Michael, you may have already done this for yourself. If you have, I'll be very impressed. If not, I'm going to ask you to do it off the top of your head. 
if there are 64 starting safeties in the National Football League, two per team, and yeah, I know, situational substitution. Some teams add more safeties because of pass coverage. Some pull a safety off, put an extra corner out there. But starting with the premise that everybody's got two starting safeties. So it's one through 64. Where would you rank Anthony Harris and Marcus Epps on that top 64 safety list in the NFL as of right now? Let's 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 push it to 66 and say they're in that bottom third. Because <laughs> uh, it's not great. Look, I was impressed by Marcus Epps last yeah, year. I, I, I don't know yeah. if he's a full-time player, but he is a guy who can tackle. He's a guy who can cover. Um, I don't think ideally you want him as your starting free safety unless you're the Eagles PR people. Um, and I think, you know, look, Anthony Harris was rough last year. I was truly surprised they picked him over Rodney McLeod, but I guess Gannon had to have his guy. Um, they really need a free safety upgrade, and I, I don't know where that's going to come from. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think Marcus Epps is their best safety, which is uh, good if you're a Marcus Epps fan, bad if you're an Eagles fan, because that's a low bar, as Jody would say. But, um, And then we talk about corner. Uh, Darius Slay was out there yesterday talking up Zach McPherson. He's ready. Uh, we heard that last year, then two days before camp. Here comes Steve Nelson and... He essentially never leaves the field. Um, A lot of talk about James Bradbury up the turnpike. If the Giants do pull the trigger and release him, it looks like they're going to have to release him. How quickly should Howie be on the phone trying to work something out with James Bradbury? Well, I, I think he's probably already done his research, right? I mean, we you know, when a guy's on the trade block and they've gotten the opportunity to seek out a trade typically people talk, right? So um, to me, it's a matter of price, right? Like when we saw the the Tyron Matthew uh, price tag of three years, 33 million, I could have, if you would have told me that before, and I was like, there's no way the Eagles are in on that. Like yeah. maybe 8 million a year, which is what the deal. What I said, be. 8 million. See, yeah. great minds, Jody. Great minds. They just don't pay premiums for, for safeties. That's just not something they do. They let, Malcolm Jenkins, who was the best safety that they'd had since Brian Dawkins, leave because they didn't want to pay 11 million. So you think the whole they were close on Marcus Williams thing is BS? No, that's no, so that's a close. completely different story. He's sub 28. So I should have said that. I should have said that. They oh, do not so pay people vet, over Veteran guys. Yeah. Over yeah, a certain they do not age. pay okay, people over 28. Their, their sweet spot is 26 to 27 off the first contract. Marcus Williams is is a very is an outlier because he is so young still. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think Bradbury's a guy that makes a lot of sense, especially if you can get him long term. Because if you feel like Darius Slay has two more years in him to be to play at a high level, you want that covered. Thing also because you're developing a lot of young guys behind the scenes. I like Zach McPherson. I think that he's a good player, but I also don't think, again, it makes a lot of sense to, to like put all your eggs in one basket on him. I I think all the flyers that they, they 
accumulated last year with Kerry Vincent and Tate Gowan and, and Mac McCain. Cool. That's awesome. Good for them. But you, you've got to kind of see them in action. They haven't even had a training camp here yet. These guys are all acquired post training camp. And yeah. They didn't play a lot. So you're still kind of figuring them out. Um, and they were all late round picks. It's not like they were like all of these guys were day three picks or, or an undrafted free agent in Mac McCain's case. So I, I think they need to figure that out this summer. Um, I don't think they need to sign a guy prior to training camp, but I do think they will. Um, a guy that makes a lot of sense to me as a, as kind of an experiment is Kevin King, the former Packers cornerback. Um, he played free safety at Washington, and I always thought that that was a better position for him because he's six foot four and it's tough. Uh, That's too tall to be a corner. Yeah, it's yeah. tough at corner. Like you know, Richard Sherman's a unicorn, but right. Um, he makes sense as a guy, you know, the Eagles like safeties, with cornerback backgrounds. He'd make a lot of sense as a free safety, especially if they wanted to move to a more single high. Um, look, now, Jody at- brought up uh, Chris Clark the other day, which I, you know, because the Ravens got Marcus Williams, they drafted Kyle Hamilton. So if you're looking on the trade market, what do you think of that name? I will tell you this. It's something that the Eagles have explored. Um, I don't know if if it's a doable situation, but it is something that they've looked into for sure. Um, you know, I, I think that when you look at the Eagles, know what's going on in safety. Like they, like I, it's just like you know, you want Jalen Rager to be part of the team. Like, <laughs> come on, guys, we've been watching how your Roseman operate for over a decade here. Like. Wise up. Now, there's certain things that I do think he, I think sometimes how he says stuff that seems ridiculous, but it's actually true. And he knows that his reputation will make you say, no, there's no way that's true. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but he's very good at his job. And I think as far as is uh, leaning on the public narrative, and I think, look, I think they will, they're not done. They aren't done. They, that should be you know, acknowledged. I mean, I said all last year that Steven Nelson made a ton of sense and then they finally pulled the trigger. So, um, you know, I think Kevin King makes a lot of sense. I think Bradbury makes a lot of sense, but you also have to realize that the chiefs have more money. Um, and they have a need at cornerback. They have like 45 rookies, um, at the position. Uh, the Bengals could use an upgrade at cornerback as well. And they have more money and they just are coming off a Super Bowl. So, I mean, I, I, I think... All right, I'm going to throw another name at you because I just thought of it because you said the Bengals. And Jonathan Gannon, history, injuries recently. Trey Waynes, who's a former first-round pick in, in, in Minnesota. I Look, I get, the, I get the dot connecting with Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes. I just, like, I, I would pit, play the young guys. <laughs> I mean, I, I just... I agree on Xavier. Xavier's shot, but Trey's a little bit younger. But I don't. Yeah, know Trey. I mean, look, Trey can play. I would have him compete. I wouldn't sign him for more than three million dollars. But I, I, I think. Oh yeah, would be cheap. Completely. I would cheap. prefer King, and I, King's out there. I mean, he's still only like twenty six. So if you can take a flyer on him, if you can take a flyer on a guy, you always take the flyer on the guy who's under twenty eight. That's that's. Ooh. Just double checking. Who did Anthony Harris play for before he was an Eagle? Vikings. Vikings. Who did Marcus Epps play for before he was an Eagle? Vikings. Oh, okay. (laughs) So we want to go back down the Viking road again. Right. Replace two players 
that we've already tried that and it hasn't quite delivered the results that we needed. The way the so let's try works. that again at cornerback. No, I'll I'll pass. John, I, I follow your line of thinking. They did this, they did this, they'll do it again. At some point you go, we did this, we did this. Oh, shoot, the results well, were Well, they love they Marcus. Let's not do that again. They love Marcus, and they like Anthony better than we like Anthony. I'll tell you that. Okay. Well, Which I, I mean, <laughs> they like Anthony more than anyone likes Anthony. <laughs> 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 and Anthony's a really good dude. He does oh, great stuff great for the dude. community. Great um, dude. But there were times last season, especially early, where he looked like a linebacker playing corner. You know what I mean? It was like, uh, that was rough. I mean, he got better as the season went on. I thought he closed pretty well. But, like, you know, I thought that they needed a full-on oil change at safety. I thought they would actually bring back McLeod. They ended up going with with Harris. Um, safety's a position, look, that they have not valued. And it's it's abundantly clear. Like, people were upset about the Matthew thing. And it's like... Well, if they really wanted to go after this position, they could have. They had the money to do it. It wasn't like... And they tried with Marcus. They just... Yeah. I mean, look, Marcus would have been a completely different... Would would have been a game-changing player for them. Um, So, I mean, Justin Reed, even to that extent, would have been a very good free safety. But money and wins talk and roles talk. You know, I think when you look at the Ravens and their history of usage with... You know, Harbaugh's been around for a really long time. And their history of usage with the safety position is is very, very, very vivid. Like, they use safeties in all different ways. And so if you're just coming here to play a, a, um, a cover two corner, I mean, a cover two safety, like, wh- why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think the safety yeah. role is that appealing here, frankly. I love your uh, comparison uh, with Harris of a cornerback playing a linebacker playing cornerback. That's well, they could have actually used him as a linebacker because they had that Eric Wilson, who they got from where again? Yeah, that one didn't work. Yeah, yeah that was. Uh, How many that times do we have to go guy. down the Minnesota road? Is my question. Hey, let me, let me put guys. That guys feel comfortable with who they feel comfortable with. Yeah, but that was that was bad. I that was, that I was said, the worst I said <laughs> that like was Eric. a really bad one. I said Eric Eric can't play the run. I told everybody day yeah, one. Yeah, you did. You you pounded that home. All right, one last. We well, couldn't play the you. pass either. Well. MK, before we let you go, um, the whole Bradbury thing, from a giant perspective, and he could become available. And yeah, I think he'd be a great fit with the Eagles. They bring the guy in. They pay him what they felt they needed to pay him to get his name on the contract. I thought he played really well. I have to watch the Giants because I do shows in New York, so I put them on tape, and I go back and watch them. I don't know how many times I said here on Birds 365. The Giants only scare me from their secondary position. Nothing else about the Giants scared me last year. Pass rush, linebacker, their entire offense, even though they had so many different wide receivers. I don't like Danny Dimes a little bit, so you got to get it to them. They look good on paper, but you got to be able – they got a real good secondary. And I think that should scare the Eagles a little, and they did. Jason uh, Jalen Hurts had maybe his worst game of the year against that giant secondary. And then Bradbury became an issue and a problem. Was it because the regime changed and the coaching staff and the general manager weren't the ones who gave him the money? I thought he played well for them last year. I don't think his contract is outrageous, yet they've come to loggerheads and they have to move on. What the hell happened with Bradbury and the Giants? Why is he even available? If it were me, I'd be happy to have Bradbury. 
So they can't even afford their draft class is how bad David Gettleman has set up their, <laughs> their cap situation. They, and yes, they inherited two top 10 picks, but they also inherited the worst cap situation in the league. And the new regime does not want to extend or rework contracts the way Howie Roseman has done for years because they're not their guys and trading him would save $10 million. Uh, which would pay for their entire rookie class and give them a little bit of a cushion. So with that said, you know, yes, he is a very good cornerback, but they're also still playing a Dory Jackson They're, You know, they just drafted flute from, from LSU. They want to bring their type of guys in there. Um, and I think the thought process is like Bradbury, if they really have to get rid of a player, he's the one. He's the one chip that they had. And teams know that. And teams don't want – he's got one year left on his contract. He's not going to resign with the Giants. So why not rip the Band-Aid off now, get the value now? And it's kind of backfired because teams know what's going on. Right. And teams aren't going to trade stuff for him if he's not willing to lower his cap number and extend his deal. And so – Bradbury can kind of figure out where he wants to go or if he wants to go. And I, it's put them in a, it's put a rookie GM in a really tough spot. They've been very transparent about the moving and shaking of James Bradbury. And look, teams have filled holes. The Texans showed interest. They then drafted uh, Stingley and signed Steven Nelson. Um, the chiefs have shown interest. They draft uh, Trent McDuffie. Like, Teams are the only team that really hasn't addressed corner this offseason is the team you guys cover. And that's, you know, that's where everybody's like light bulbs are going off. They have about $10 million in cap space. They're going to get additional cap space back after June 1st. I don't think Bradbury will wait that long. I don't think the leverage is there. Um, but look, I, I think the Eagles should be in on him. If they lose out on him, it's because of the price. I don't think they're not going to have interest in a guy who actually played his best games against the Eagles, like you said, the past two yeah. years. So um, that said, they do have a history of bringing in NFC East guys and those guys just being absolute bust signing. So maybe how he's spooked by that. But I, to me, I think he's a or really Minnesota. good fit. Yeah, let's go yeah. that way. He is Mike K. You see it right there. Follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore E underscore K. Uh, ProFootballNetwork.com, you know how we got to end this, Mike. Lead NFL reporter for Pro Football Network. To me, you're the lead AEW reporter. Uh, I'll, I'll let you say whatever you want about AEW, but please, please tell me we are at the end, the death throes of the Adam Page era as world heavyweight champion. Yeah, that promo yesterday was horrific. Uh, <laughs> that was a really bad promo. Yeah, I don't know really what they're There's trying not to do belong there. in that spot. Just not look. That I don't guy. think CM Punk moves the needle at all. To me, like in my opinion, he has not done anything for the Rams. I I agree, but he's a professional. He'll... Yes, he is a professional. I actually just started watching the show Heels yesterday, and he was great on there. Uh, by the way, uh, stars, uh, it, I believe, correct? What uh, stars? Yeah, stars. Comcast yeah. is doing like their free uh, watchathon weekend. I wouldn't pay for yeah. stars otherwise. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so watching that, um, and they have a character who you'd like, who's basically looks like Edge. Like they they, they basically used Edge as his template for this character. 
But anyway, yeah, I, look, I, I think that it's kind of run its course. Uh, I thought he had some really good matches early on, but it's just like. The work is fine, Mike, but he does. Yeah, he just he, doesn't seem like a world champion. Yes. And I, I think for a young company, you and you have like 45 former professionals professional wrestler uh sports entertainers on the market like on on the marquee it's just like it's kind of hard when you when you see guys like you know punk and danielson and moxley and and you know jeff hardy and all these former like legitimate world champions and you get this guy who is calling himself hangman in 2022 uh carrying a title so um yeah all yeah, right. I want. Uh, I want. We're to on see, the same uh, page there. I want to see Orange Cassidy get the title. Ah, oh, come on! I, I would. I would have put the title on Adam Cole. Uh, yeah, that. Well, that ship has sailed because uh, Tony has destroyed Adam Cole to the point he's gone dark on me because. Well, I, I think he's. It. Let me say this: <laughs> they're doing an Owen Hart Cup, okay? Yeah, and there's eight guys in it. The only guy that ever wrestled Owen Hart, Jeff Hardy, is in it. He's obviously the oldest guy in it, and he's very clearly going to lose in the first round to Darby Allen, which doesn't make a ton of sense. By the way, did you see his promo yesterday? Oh my Darby god! It was Allen? like, yeah, we're going to have it was a good the time. worst thing I've great. ever seen in my life, and it might have been ten words. I don't I think, know how you can I think, do that. I think Sting was words. like, "That's all you're going to say?" Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say Sting didn't quite come to his rescue. No. He didn't he help was out like, much. Yeah, it's going to be terrific. <laughs> It's like, wasn't good. One quickie, we got to wrap this up. One quickie AEW question. Sure. They keep using Miro in the opens. Yeah, what is the deal? He hasn't wrestled in what, six months? He hasn't died, has he? He was hurt for a while. I think he's healthy now. But there are a lot of people that they're just like not using. And I know that a lot of contracts are coming up from like their original signings. Like, we haven't seen Penelope Ford in like months. No. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I've never been a big Miro guy, so I, I don't. I can't say that I've been like paying they, attention. To, uh, to the only reason I question is because they use him as part of their open. And oh no, I, I get it. I, I get what you're saying. We don't know if he's ever going to wrestle again. Tony's just, got Tony's got too much to do, man. I could talk about that Sting Darby promo for like oh my god, an hour I, and I, I can't uh, even. How you can get across in ten words something so horrific? I think it's a talent. G- G- and its you, own. So here's what it's like, right? And I thought this like right afterwards. So um, you know when you see like wedding videos or like bar mitzvah videos where somebody's like, Oh man, we love you, congratulations, it's great, you know, like like one of those. That's yeah. what it came off like. I was like, Man, I remember that at my bar mitzvah. <laughs> like, we love you, you know, yeah. sort of like <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be such a great time. Thanks for having us, guys. Like that's that's the way that promo came off. Wow. Yeah. yeah uh, to be anyway. Yeah. Agreed. Michael K. Always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for hopping on. Um, feel free to uh, reach out to either of us. Tell us when you're going to be able to pull back the curtain and tell us about the extra eagle stuff that you're lining up right now. No, you can't do it just yet. When you can, we'll certainly have. No, back we'll know. Team. We'll know. I'll leave that hint. We'll know. All right. You'll All know. Right. I'll keep you in the loop. Yes, please. Hey Mike, Michael K, Pro Football Network, here with us on Birds 365. All right. Run a little late. We'll come back. We will put a bow on the show. Stay here.
stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV, now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Lincoln Financial Field is home to more than just our hometown team. It's a landing place for dreams. Invest in the future of our students from all over Philadelphia and get an exclusive tour of the stadium at the Blocks Aspire to Dreams Gala hosted by Brian Taff of 6ABC. While we aspire to build, our students aspire to dream. Join us for the Blocks Gala on Thursday, May 5th at Lincoln Financial Field. Seats are limited, so reserve yours today at blocks.org slash gala. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, IBEW98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. We only got a couple of minutes left here on Birds 365. You're Mac and Mac guys. Uh, no riding over to Philly. No, no uh, player availability. Uh, no, but tomorrow's rookie camp, so we'll get some uh, rookies on Friday. Some of the exciting rookies. All right. Uh, one quickie question for you before we put the, a wrap on this. We talked about cross training earlier in the show, and we we're doing so in reference to uh, Jurgens, the center that they drafted in the second round, and the fact that they may at some point try and see if he can move to guard because we don't know when Kelsey is going to call it quits. So it makes a lot of sense that they do so. Eagles have, as of after the free agent undrafted uh, signings, um, I think the number is 42 cornerbacks uh, on the roster (laughs) as of right now. Uh, None of which other than Darius Slay has ever had any serious success actually playing the position for a period of time in the National Football League. Um, But you're hoping quantity over quality. Quantity becomes quality and someone steps up like Darius Slay leaned on Zach McPherson yesterday. I'm good to go with him across from me. We'll see. Um, Of all those guys, some of them should be cross-trained at safety because the numbers aren't nearly as big at safety as of right now, like three, 
Eagles have 42 cornerbacks. They got three safeties. Now they got five. They got Andre Sachere and Jared Mabin, Jody. Oh. Is so, he's another uh, one I couldn't pick out of a police lineup. Did no. you pick Maiden out of a police lineup? Uh, no, I, yeah, could I could not. Never met him to this day. I Fair have enough. seen him at practice. But, out of uh, those five, uh, put, putting a couple of them aside, uh, and the 42 cornerbacks, which cornerbacks are most likely to be cross-trained? I think it was Michael said it earlier that the Eagles like to have their safeties with some cornerback experience. Um, if they go yeah, down that, that they're, road. They're, that's true. They A lot of their safeties really dated back to Jim. And that's really the way the NFL has gone. A lot of them have cornerback backgrounds. But not many are trained. Like offensive linemen are always cross-trained. So like what you're saying, you got to play, especially if you want to dress, you got to play different positions. Now, in Cam Jurgens' case, he's not going to be a starting guard, but he's got to need to play the position in case somebody gets hurt on a, on a game day. Um, they don't really do that with cornerbacks and safeties. They they move cornerbacks to safety. Now, the one guy on the roster, um, Avante Maddox, you remember when he was a rookie, um, uh, was forced into action playing safety due to injuries for a short period. And boy, do people overblow. I get those questions constantly, Jody. Why don't they move Avante Maddox back to safety? Well, two reasons. One, he's a really good slot corner. Yeah. He's a natural slot corner. That's his best position. You make yourself worse. And then there's this romanticism that he was great at safety. He wasn't great. He did a great job for in a bad spot where he had to move back there. It didn't have a lot of experience doing it. He's not a safety, and they don't want him playing safety. So, anyway, I got off on that tangent. They don't really cross-train. Like, they might wake up one day and say, oh, take Allen, you're going to be a safety now. All right, well, then, then take my question that way. Who's most likely to be moved rather than cross-trained from corner to safety? Uh, probably, well... Um, he's already there. Andre Sassere was a cornerback who is now a safety. Um, they don't have the, here's, here's why my answer is nobody because they don't have anybody locked in a corner. Like they have to have Tate Gallon pushing Zach McPherson. Like that, that's the goal. Like if you can't get a James Bradbury, they hope to get, I think they're going to get somebody in here. Might not be James Bradbury, but some kind of veteran. Um, if they don't, they need Tay Gowan to push Zach McPherson. They need they need like a safety net. They don't really have anybody that they can do that with. But the guy who could do it best is probably Avante because he's already done it. Right. And then but from I, a, I'm with you with what you said yeah. prior to. He's the best. He, he's not only their best uh, slot corner. He's one of the better slot corners in football. Yeah. I think he's proved himself to be that. Why the hell would you want to move him? Yeah. No, you've no, got don't. a position covered. Don't uncover it. Yeah, I, they don't. And from a physical standpoint, I guess it would be Gowan because he's long. Um, but they're not moving any of those guys. Okay. Uh, I'm just, just, just trying to put out a helpful hand for Eagle coaches. Jared Maiden, former Alabama safety. There you go. He's on the team. 
uh, again, uh, I'd like to be introduced to him because I couldn't recognize him. Uh, partner, we did a good show today. Thanks to Michael K and Jeff Kerr. They were good. Uh, we've got our uh, buddy from Delaware joining us tomorrow. Or is it Delaware County? I always move Delaware County. No, Martin's uh, Martin's Delaware. He writes for Delaware, Del but he lives in Delaware County. Yeah, I, he lives in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I I don't know because I'm not good with what I'm pretty towns, sure. Pretty I'm sure a Jersey Martin's. guy, so I'm not I'm not sure. I think he lives in Delaware. And County. the thing with Martin Frank is, if he's in Delaware County or Montgomery County. Uh, he can just run to the other county. It's not a problem. Put on his sneakers. Yes, and he can. He can run that far. So, so. of course. He'll, he'll run the in draft with us. And then doing the Broad Street run. We'll talk about that. He'll run in with us tomorrow. Uh, so you want to be right back here with Birds 365 in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365. The destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.